welcome you here. If you're visiting with us, take one of the blue communication cards and fill that out. Put it in the offering plate or, uh, or pass it in later at the end of the service so that we get a record of your visit. Maybe you have a prayer request you want us to, uh, to have. Uh, we do pray over those together as a staff. And so uh, if you have something you'd like to share with us, uh, we'd love to pray with you about that. Would you uh, stand with me this morning and let's open with a word of prayer and we're going to say a pledge and uh, just we're going to celebrate uh, our country today, but we're going to celebrate our God even more. Amen. Let's go to the Lord together. Father, we thank you that you are a great and amazing God. We thank you that we live in a country where we have freedom of religion Lord, where we can come and we can celebrate you today. And Lord, nobody can tell us uh, that we can't. And Father, that's a blessing and we thank you so much for it, Lord. Father, we, just, we celebrate so many victories. We celebrate, Lord, that, that you love us. Lord, we have so much to rejoice in, so much to worship you for. Father, help us not to forget those things. Lord, we celebrate them today. We give you praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you remain standing as we say the pledge to our flag? I pledge allegiance to the flag. Remain standing as we sing the Star Spangled Banner together. Veterans, we are pleased and honored to have you here today. Please stand when your military branch song is played so we can acknowledge your service to our country.
One can put a thousand to flight, but two, ten thousand. There is strength in numbers, and that's why we are one nation under God, indivisible, united forever as Americans and as believers. Yes, I believe our founding fathers were united in heart and mind to create a nation that would offer people both the right to worship God however they chose and to be a place where everyone, regardless of race, gender, or station in life, could see their dreams accomplished. I believe that many have willingly laid down their lives to ensure that these rights would continue to flourish and to be enjoyed by our children grandchildren, and generations to come. 
I also believe that it would be a disgrace to those who have shed their life's blood for these God-given rights to allow a few to try and convince us that these ideas are outdated or unconstitutional and that God has no place in America. I believe that it's time for all Americans who understand what has made this nation great and all believers who believe in the truths of God's Word to stand and boldly declare, We are America. We will not be silent. And yes, we believe. I believe that every boy and girl should have the right to dream that one day they will all become what they would choose to be. I believe that every citizen, regardless of their skin, should have the right to dream of all Americans. I believe, I believe.
Americans really are a united people. It's especially easy to see in times of crisis or national concern. We've all seen it happen so many times. Probably no time more memorable than the nightmare referred to simply as 9-11. Prayer services and candlelight vigils were quickly planned as millions of Americans instantly linked hands and hearts. Denomination, ethnic and social differences were of no concern. We were just Americans. And we would all agree that these times of national unity are always incredibly moving and memorable. Sadly, it never seems to last long. People are moved, but not really changed. I'm convinced that the change we need to see in America isn't going to come from a single prayer service or a community candlelight vigil. No, the real change that our nation needs is only going to come when you and I and believers everywhere make the spiritual well-being of our nation a top priority. When the atmosphere of our schools and workplaces and the religious freedoms of future generations become more important to us than the political correctness of the present moment. When we will unashamedly bow our knee every single day to pray for our nation and its leaders. And we'll light a candle in our lives and let that light so shine before men. When we will proudly say, yes, we are Americans, but we are also believers in the true and living God. Praying people, sharing the light of his love, can and will change this nation.
Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for our church. We thank you for our freedoms to assemble and our independence to worship you. Lord, forgive us where we failed you. Lord, we thank you for Chris and his family for the five years that they've been with us. Be with our pastor while he's out. Keep the whole family safe. Lord, we ask that you watch over these offerings that we give today. Help us to share these with others in the furtherance of your kingdom. Forgive us where we failed you, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God says to us, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Lord, your people pray humbly today for healing.
John F. Kennedy said, Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Now is the time for us, in the interest of our nation, to stand and declare the truths of God's word. Truth knows no boundaries. You can't be too young or too old to stand for truth. We are united, a community of faith-praying people who know that the word of God is absolute. His promises are yea and amen. The darkness can't stop it. The cynics can't intimidate it. Scoffers and mockers cannot discourage it. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Sing glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. Yeah. 
America, from sea to shining sea, lift your voice and say, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let us be united in the truth that our hope and trust is in the God of our salvation. trust. Amen. It's not just something that we put on our coins or our dollar bills or it sounds like a great logo, but it should be the truth. Amen. Uh, as we were working on this musical, uh, the song that continued to stick out uh, rang, his truth is marching on. And, you know, what is the definition of truth? <clears throat> Webster says that the truth, it's the real facts about something. A scary but alternate definition that's given in the dictionary is a statement or idea that is accepted as true. That's totally different than what is actually true. <clears throat> what is the truth? Many people in our country have different opinions about what is true. Support for gay marriage to be treated the same as straight ones went from 39% just nine years ago to 60% today. According to Gallup poll, as recently as 2010, a clear majority opposed gay marriage. Today, a large majority support it. As for the broader issue of same-sex relationships are even morally acceptable. Only 40% said yes to that in 2001. Today, the number stands at 63%. In other words, more Americans are okay with homosexuality today than were okay with divorce in 2001. Consider the amazing turnaround in people's views of single parenthood. As of 2002, only 45% of Americans thought it was morally acceptable to have a child outside of wedlock. Today, it's at 61%. In the year 1969, the year of Easy Rider, support for legal marijuana stood at 12%. As recently as 2003, it was still only 34%. But in the last two Gallup polls on the subject in 2013 and 14, Support hit an outright majority for the first time. If you're a baker, you can refuse to cater a gay wedding for any reason you please. You're too busy, you're taking a few days off, etc., etc., etc. But if you say the words, I don't approve 
of gay marriage. You'll not only be vilified, but you'll be bankrupted. The Pentagon just announced that they will lift the ban on transgender people serving in the military. A study commissioned by Mr. Carter and completed in March found that letting transgender members openly serve would cost little and would have no significant effect on unit readiness. The study by the RAND Corporation estimated that 2,450 active duty members of the military were transgender and that every year about 65 service members would seek to make a gender transition. Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, organizations that have traditionally stood for moral values, have lowered their standards. Our president is telling schools that children should be able to decide which bathroom or locker room applies to them based on what gender they think they are. There's less respect for authority every day. Police officers are more at risk than ever before. What is truth? Does truth change? Absolute truth does not change. George Barner Research said the majority of American adults believe cohabitation is generally a good idea. Two-thirds of adults either strongly or somewhat agree that it's a good idea to live with one significant other before getting married, compared to one-third who either strongly or somewhat disagree. Barna first asked American adults in 91 if they agreed or disagreed that the statement, the Bible is totally totally accurate in all of the principles it teaches. 25 years ago, 46% strongly agreed. That's close to half. But today, only one-third of Americans say that that's true. The percentage of those who strongly disagree has nearly doubled in the last six years. Three-quarters of millennials agree strongly or somewhat with the statement, whatever is right for your life or works best for you is the only truth you can know, compared to only 38% of their elders. In an article by Andy Crouch, he says, there may, be never, they, there may never be a society in history that was as culturally, religiously, and politically diverse as the United States is today, except perhaps the Roman Empire. There are few models for how such a diverse community can sustain itself, and plenty of models for failure. Perhaps the most hopeful model is a community that arose at the edges of that empire and eventually spread to its heart among whom there was neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. The visual presentation of the self accelerated in the 2000s. Previous generations saw themselves most often in mirrors. That's not the case anymore. Mirrors, they don't show us what other people see. They only show us a mirror image with right and left reversed. The difference is subtle but real and the symbol of a deeper reality. Now, most 20-year-olds have seen thousands of images of themselves as others see them. In the 2000s, we learned to shape and groom our image for public consumption, body modification, augmentation, reduction, smoothing, straightening, whitening, tanning, not to mention tattooing, become normative. Social media tells us that we should be concerned with how many likes We have on our pictures of ourselves, our food, our vacation, our newest purchase, etc. We started a new study with uh, teenagers at our house this past Friday night. It's called Hashtag Struggles. And if you don't know what a hashtag is, it looks kind of like a a pound sign, a number sign, a sharp, depending on what you want to use. But it's basically something to, uh, to create something on social media so that everybody can find it and and talk about the same thing. But, uh, but anyway, this, this, study is about social media and and how that applies to our life and uh, what the negative effects may be 
And so the first week was on recovering contentment. And so many of us portray a life that's a lie on social media. We envy other people's lives as they appear on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then we try to create something that's equally as interesting. We may see somebody's vacation to the Bahamas or or some other great trip. and, And we say, well, surely I can do something like that or at least make it look like my life is that good. But the truth is that there are many people posting what seems to be an amazing life who are not content. We must be happy with what God has given us and who he has created us to be. This is one of the scriptures we we covered this week, and it really hit home to all of us as we read through it and really thought about it and studied it. It's James 3, 14 and 15. If If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It really hit the teenagers hard that envy is demonic. It's of the devil. It's a lie. And Satan is the father of lies. And so uh, we really had a good discussion about that. We worry about what other people think is right or, uh, you know, we need to be like everybody else. And, uh, and that's just a lie. John 8.32 says, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. He's the only one who can bring contentment. No matter what it looks like out in the world, it, it's not good. It's not, it's not the best. He's the only one that can bring that contentment. In Mark thirteen thirty one, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Our country will go through good times and bad times. We'll have leaders that we like and those who we aren't so favorable of. But Jesus will still be there. His truth is marching on. Psalm fifty-five, nineteen says, God who is enthroned from of old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them because they have no fear of God. In the book of Numbers, we read the story of Balaam and his donkey. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, And I think one of the reasons that it is is because as I've done some youth ministry in the past, you share the story or you tell the kids about it and they look at you like you're crazy. That that didn't happen. Well, let me show it to you. It's right here in the book of Numbers. So we read this story and the short version is this. Balak, the Moabite king, wanted Balaam to curse the Israelites because he was afraid that they would defeat him. Balaam was told by God not to go and not to curse his people. But he was kind of unhappy with the answer, and he continued to ask God, even though he knew the truth. The truth was, don't do it. It's not the right thing to do. God said no. That was the truth. But he continued to ask, and he even hinted to the Moabite officials that, you know, money talks. He said, I wouldn't even do it for, and he threw out, you know, a number of money. So that was like, well, you know, maybe I could be convinced. And he kept going back to God and got the same answer. And God finally got fed up with him, and he said, Okay, fine, go. But you only can say what I tell you to say. And on that next day, he took the journey, and his donkey proved to be smarter than he was. He, uh, the donkey wouldn't go anymore. And he got upset with the donkey, didn't he? He beat him, and he cursed at him, and he said, Come on, what's your problem? And, uh, and he finally got a word from the donkey. And uh, he kind of... As his eyes were opened, he saw an angel blocking the road. And God does. He, he, 
He can choose to use whatever he wants to get our attention. That may sound outlandish, but it's in the word of God. If we believe scripture is true, this happens. And so we should remember that God's truth is the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters, and he's going to get our attention. He wants us to stay the course, to finish the race. We read in Numbers chapter 23 at the end of that story, God is not human that he should lie. He is not human that he should change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? How many times have we said, either out loud or or at least thought it, well, I'm only human. We're not perfect, but God's perfect. We cannot use that as an excuse to sin. God is on his throne. He's called us to press on, to share his truth with the nation and the world. Julia Ward Howe wanted to share God's truth with the nation as she wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And I want you to watch this video. As I was growing up, not sure about what I wanted to do, the person who became most compelling to me was Julia Ward Howe, who was my great, great, great grandmother. And she was also the author of the Battle Hymn of the Republic. are my people, gentle folks. My great, great, great grandmother was well known for her writing, for her social justice activism at the time of the Civil War, and was a strong uh, opponent of slavery. A golden web of love around us binds us to our home above. Those words spoke to me as a writer, as an artist, and as an activist. In 1861, I was invited to Washington by President Lincoln to be part of a commission that was looking into treatment of Union soldiers. After a day of visiting the camps, I went to bed and slept as usual, but awoke early A feeling of discouragement came over me as I thought of the women whose sons or husbands were fighting and of those who languished in the prisons. But then suddenly my concerns were stilled and to my astonishment I found that the lines of a poem were arranging themselves in my brain. I lay quite still until the last verse had completed itself in my thoughts then hastily arose. I searched for an old stubble of pencil and began to scrawl the lines almost without thinking. Having completed this, I lay down again and fell asleep, but not before feeling that something of importance had happened to me. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom 
that transfigures you and me. His truth is marching on. Her name was Julia Ward Howe. When President Lincoln first heard her poem sung, he wept. One of the heroes of mine is Martin Luther King Jr. And when I was a kid, I used to listen to his recordings that my parents actually had. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. Uh, this was his last speech to the garbage workers in Memphis the night before he was killed. His speech ended with the words that my great-great-great-grandmother wrote that night. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. And the sort of fusion, uh, the coming together of his mission and his vision and her mission and her vision um, gave me a, a great sense of pride and a sense of purpose. I don't think she could have envisioned when she got up at 4 a.m. at the Willard Hotel the night she wrote that poem, the impact that poem would have on, on the war, on the Union Army, on her descendants. In my work as a writer, I think I feel the same strength she felt in pursuing her work. I feel a spiritual connection to her. changes. He doesn't make mistakes. His promises are true. The Bible may have been written many years ago, but it doesn't evolve over time. We don't have the option to change it according to how we feel. One of the biggest problems with our culture is the fact that there are no more absolutes, no black and white, only gray. People are crying out and succeeding in tearing down the Ten Commandments. Prayer is being banned all over the country. False religions are on the rise. Justifications are being made for all kinds of crazy behavior. Judgment Day is coming. People will be held accountable for their actions. This world, this country, nor any of the earthly pleasures they can bring will fill the void that is in our lives. Only Christ can do that. No matter what may happen all around us, Jesus never changes. One of the verses I remember from my days in Bible drill is this, Isaiah 48. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Hebrews 13.8 tells us Jesus Christ is the same today, same yesterday, and today and forever. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, if you're struggling with what the truth is today, know that there is a truth. Jesus is the truth. He's the way and the life. I encourage you this morning to come forward and make that decision 
today to follow Jesus Christ. If you've made that decision in America, is just uh, it's burdened on your heart. At the state of where our country is, I'd encourage you to come forward and to pray for our country as we sing again the song that we sang earlier, Heal Our Land. I want to lead us in a word of prayer, and then we're going to sing that song. And I'd encourage you to come, and I encourage you to pray and seek the Lord this morning. Let's go together to the, to the Lord. Father, we thank you for our country. Lord, that we know that we have struggles. And God, we know that we need to, to turn our eyes back to you. Lord, we pray that you would guide us and help us. Lord, we pray that you would heal our land. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today that needs you, that today would be their day of salvation. Father, that they would accept you as Lord and Savior. Father, do your work now, we pray in the name of Jesus. Stand together as we sing.